This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, A Love Summons, from the book of 1 Corinthians. We are in a series here in uh, 1 Corinthians, and we started it in November. We are now, uh, we took a little pause for Advent, um, and hope you enjoyed that kind of uh, intentional look at at, uh, Christ. Uh, the coming of the King, the expectancy, preparing our hearts for all of that. And now we are jumping back into 1 Corinthians, and it finds us in chapter 2, 6 through 16. So I'm going to read that, and then we will get started. Now we do speak wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are perishing. Instead, we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things that no eye has seen or ear heard or mind imagined are the things God has prepared for those who love him. God has revealed these to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the things of a man except the man's spirit within him? So too, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. And we speak about these things not with words taught us by human wisdom, but with those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is understood by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him, but we have the mind of Christ. All right, well, we're back. Uh, We titled this, and it's probably more than just 1 Corinthians that we've titled. This is the letters to the church. So as we kind of dive into Paul's letters, we're going to kind of look at this idea of a love summons. And I hope that you will appreciate that language as much as I'm appreciating it. First and foremost, the idea and contextually that we kind of have to know is that God has called us in love. Okay? He has called us here in love. And that's going to be an important thing to revisit regularly Because uh, the the letters that Paul writes, there are going to be some difficult things. Because as Paul talks to us, he's going to be confronting our corruption. And for some of us, our corruption includes things that we don't want to give up yet, nor do we think maybe are even wrong, right? So uh, we're going to be like, ah, you feel so so judgmental and hypocritical, and I, I, well, this is terrible. No, we have to, in those moments, we have to be reminded God has, is speaking to us in love. And, uh, and so then this idea of, of a summons, that's what a church is, right? We have to uh, also be thinking about what a church is. A church is a gathering of those summoned and being separated from corruption. It's such interesting language. I, I, I love it. Uh, summoned, first of all, you've answered the summons. And that's good for you because uh, think about the creator of the universe. He has called you to come together and to hear this message. 
And, and it's not as if he doesn't have authority. Okay, this, uh, this is far exponentially greater than a police officer or a judge or anybody else who would have authority or a parent <laughs> who would summon somebody into their presence to, to hear something, right? This is the God of the universe. Now, he has done it in love. And so he's not going to compel you by force, but he is going to just call you and, and, and he has the right to call you. After all, you were created in the image of God. And so as he calls you, he, he wants you to know these things. And one of those things is that, it, that you're being separated from corruption. That, that's another word for being holy, right? You're being made holy. God is holy and he cannot have sin in his presence. He cannot have corruption in his presence. And sadly, we are a corrupt group of people. And so in order to get into his presence, he has to take us and, and, and break us from that corruption, separate us from it. And, and he's doing that. He's, he's making us holy. He has chosen to do that over time. That's the rub. Right? There's, there's a little bit of that. And so even as we gather here together, there's a little bit of taintedness, right? There's, or, well, there's a, I guess it's a spectrum, wouldn't it? Be a spectrum from a lot to a little taintedness among us, corruption among us. And we have to kind of be cognizant of that as we gather together to go, oh, wait a minute, the, the other people are not on the same spot of the spectrum that I am. And so I have to be able to have grace for other people who may not be at the same area, who have not heard this proclaimed, believed it to be true, and adopted it into their life in the same manner that I have. We have to have grace for one another. So church is a gathering of those summoned and being separated from corruption. In the course of 1 Corinthians, we're going to be going through a number of things that Paul is inviting us to separate from. And one of the chief things that he's asking us to separate from is division. And I don't mean, you know, numbers. You can still divide things. That's okay. Uh, you just can't be in division with one another. So the, the typical way that we talk about this is unity. There's always a call for unity. Uh, each writer of the, of the Bible, because they're being inspired by the same author, the Holy Spirit, is calling for this sense of unity. And I would remind you, when they call for unity, they are, it is not a call for uniformity, right? There's a difference between uniformity and unity. Uniformity is what sci-fi movies have in them, right? You watch some of those sci-fi movies and everybody's dressed the same. They look alike. Oh, they've achieved some utopic situation because now there's no diversity. Oh, this is wonderful. Great. No, that's not... God's creation. Look at God's creation. Look at it. Are you looking? Look. Look, I'm telling you, in that grass, just look, Bill and Dee Dee, Bill, walk out there in the grass. Look at that. Now, I mean, look at all the grass. There's like 18 different varieties of grass in that grass right there. I'm not kidding. It's, it's crazy. If you, if you go a couple weeks, you'll, you'll really begin to see the difference of the amount of grasses simply right there. Some of them are weeds <laughs> that I would like to kill. But 
That being said, I mean, just look, there's the amount of diversity in nature is amazing, let alone the amount of diversity among his people. We have different genders, different ages, different, it's just, everything's, ethnicities, everything's beautiful. God has created with intentionality those differences. He is not asking us somehow to all become uniform. No, his, his appeal is for us to be united, despite our differences, to be united. And remember, differences are so, such an easy way to create division because we get uncomfortable. Maybe we don't have the experience of what it would be like to, to live with somebody else's differences. And so we, we huddled with other people that have likeness, like-mindedness to us. And all of a sudden, then we, we kind of, we elevate that like-mindedness and think that our little group is better than every other little group, well, that's what creates division in the world. This is what was happening in 1 Corinthians. Paul, they were arguing about, well, I was baptized by Paul, and I was baptized by Apollos. And they're like thinking that that's awesome. Like different groups are like, oh, see, I'm better than, than you. I actually got, but no, this is the problem, right? But it's natural, that comes natural to us because of our corruption. It's very natural for us to go into like-minded groups and to elevate our group over another group. You see it all the time. Obviously, we can sit here and think about how it happens racially. That's easy to do, but it happens in everything. Politics it can happen in. Uh, social groups it can happen in. Age groups it can happen in. Uh, it, it's just natural for us to do that. And, and God is coming back and saying, no, 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 no. If you want to be a part of this thing called the church, right, then you have to separate from that mentality. And, and I'm, I'm going, in fact, to come in and I'm going to purify you from that sense of division that is in your corrupted self, okay? You have to resist. Oh, we, we preach on it. I mean, I'm preaching it again. I get it. Well, you can also go back and hear a fuller explanation back in uh, November, but you resist elevating your group identities, return to focus on Jesus, right? Because what did he do? He didn't raise himself up to, to say, oh, I'm way better. No, what did he, he came as a servant, right? And he said, model after me and be like me. The first shall become last and the last shall become first. Be like Jesus who subjected himself. And then I, you know, they always say, man, boy, if you're, if you're public speaking, focus on the positives. Don't be negative all the time, right? Okay, you want a positive? Okay, you don't, wanna, you don't want the negative of, of your corrupt and you're uh, prone to division? Fine, I'll give you a positive. Nurture fellowship, right? Honore, you're doing a great job uh, providing opportunities to nurture that fellowship by just having food. That's one of the natural things. It's such an amazing thing that God has used food to bring us together. It's such a beautiful thing. Think about all the, the Christian rites or even, even Jewish rites from the Old Testament. They're all done around food and drink. And so this opportunity to nurture fellowship, and, and we can do that corporately. That's what Honoré is giving us opportunities to do. But you also can do that individually. Uh, and, and so how might you nurture fellowship in your life? 
That's taking a positive step away from the corruption of separating on division, or uh, a corruption of division, okay? Holy Spirit's working on your behalf doing that. Now, part of that whole conversation involves this idea of separating from worldly wisdom. We're going to speak about it today. That was part of the passage. We're going to speak about it next week, and he's bringing it full circle to talk about this idea because, again, worldly wisdom really leads you toward division. Did you know that? I mean, that's what's happening in our culture right now. Everybody is, is elevating their group identities. That's how we're all known. We're all known by a letter right now. Okay? This is worldly wisdom to be known by that. No, no, no. That, that's, not, that's not godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom leads to that division. So what do we do? We, we, we saw like about a month or two ago, we said, well, we got to acknowledge God's intentionality. He's created us with diversity, and the diversity is good. That's what he said over and over. It is good when he created things. It is good. It is good. And then he created man and, and woman, and you know what he said? It is very good, right? I think about the diversity that happens just with that man and woman, right? Uh, he wants you to have life. Well, we have to return to the cross, right? We have to crucify those things that lead to death and embrace your dependence on, on the resurrection power. Now, we're going to preach the exact same thing with different words today because it's the same concept, all right? But here today, here's what I, I would have you, you just consider it. As you consider this idea of how do you separate from worldly wisdom, the first thing that you need to do is you need to just believe. All right? You just need to believe. And I'm not talking about mental assent. That's not what I mean. It's not what the Bible means when they say believe. The Bible means that in your heart, you recognize that there is a God who's able to raise the dead back to life, and that has implication, daily implication for you personally. I want you to believe when you are facing a situation in your own life that is falling apart and crumbling. It is on the path to destruction. It is on the path uh, that is going to lead to death. It is, you, you need to believe that it can be raised back to life. You personally, whether it's a, a relationship with a spouse, a relationship with a, a, a parent or grandparent, a, a relationship with in-laws, a, a relationship with uh, aunties and uncles, neighbors, co-workers, if these relationships are falling apart, you have to believe in your heart that those are able to be raised back to life. This is one of the ways that you will separate from worldly wisdom because worldly wisdom, can you imagine if you were to go into a group, of, if Rebecca was to go into a group tomorrow and say, you know, uh, I, my, my impression is that this is not going to lead to life, um, but I'm not losing hope because there's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life. Now, how do you think that, that group of, of people would, would hear that? Well, it, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. A God who's able to raise the, uh, the dead back to life does not make sense to many people. Yes, they have heard the historical announcement of it in Scripture, but do you know what they need to hear? They need to hear how it has raised you back to life. 
That's what they need to hear. They need to hear that you have believed it to be true in your mind, in your heart, and that it has actually definitively raised you back to life, that you have experienced resurrection power, that without that belief, your life would be even more corrupt and more chaotic than it is with it. You have to have it. So my question to you this morning is this. Simply believe and believe for yourself that this resurrection power is there. And as you begin to believe it for yourself and you start to see it working in your life, it's going to be all all kinds of things are going to happen. And now more people are going to be drawn into this life of going, wait a minute, I knew you when. I mean, that's Paul's life. I knew you when you persecuted the church. You were dead. We, we joke about that here in Hawaii. I've joked about it with my friends, right? You know, we have a group of friends, and they move in to the island. George and I, you've seen this for your whole time. You've been here, right? How many people have moved to, to Hawaii? You've become close to them, and then they, they're like, after two, three years, maybe five, ten, they leave. You know what I say to those people? I joke. It's a little bit of a joke, but do you know what I say to people when they move, when I hear they're moving? In Quinn, I'm going to be telling you, I think, I think I'm telling you this pretty soon. I don't know, like, whenever you leave, you're dead to me. When you, have, when you leave Hawaii, you're dead to me. You've bailed on me. You've ruined it. No, and I, obviously I'm joking a little bit. But it's never the same, right? Like you're in these relationships and you're kind of doing things weekly or whatever regularly. And then all of a sudden you move to Idaho. Fernando, Josh, Autumn. And now you're dead to me. (laughs) Sorry, I got jokes going through my own. And they're coming out, actually. (laughs) And they're coming out. The jokes are coming out. I should try to tamp down. But this whole idea, right, of going, wait a minute, when we see these relationships, instead of saying you're dead to me, no, what do we say? You are alive to me. Family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, in these moments when corruption has impacted those relationships to the point that they have deteriorated, it is then that you have to believe that there is a God who's able to raise the dead back to life so that you can experience resurrection power. Now, he's crazy. God's crazy, right? We know this. And he's doing things in ways that don't make sense to the worldly way that they do things, right? In our worldly sense, we would be like, yeah, those relationships could come back to life if the other person changes, right? That's the worldly way of understanding that. If, 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 right? It's very conditional. Do you know whose love is not conditional? God's love is unconditional. He didn't look at us and go, you know, I'll be happy to help you overcome your corruption if... No, he didn't say that at all. He said, I am here to help you overcome your corruption. And then he asked us to love people the exact same way not conditionally. 
And so when you think about this separating from worldly wisdom, we have to kind of move past this idea of going if and conditionally. We have to believe in our hearts. And unfortunately, he's going to ask you to be a part of the equation. He's going to say, you need to go crucify the things that are, are corrupt in your own life. Now, you might look at yourself and go, okay, all right, things are corrupt, right? I got it. Let's just walk through this corruption thing here. Let's start with institutions, okay? We, there's not an institution that you can think of that hasn't been corrupted. Okay, it's easy for us to kind of walk through banks, <laughs> right? Political systems, forget about it, right? I mean, you just walk through. The Roman Catholic Church, boy, we love Protest Protestants, love pointing the finger at the Roman Catholic Church, right? Well, guess what? Uh, Non-denominational churches, corrupt. All you have to do is look at the headlines, right? Corruption exists in every institution. Now, we should be able to recognize that, and here's the kicker. Institutions are made up of us, Okay? It's very easy to say people. It's more applicable to say us. Institutions are made up of us. We're corrupt, okay? And, and here's what I want you to do. This is, I, I'm, I, I can't underscore this enough, okay? I'm asking you next week to show me evidence of this, all right? I want you to write out the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Yes. I usually forget one. I want you to write those out. Then I want you to invert them. Okay? Again, this is not just a mental exercise. I want you to literally take hand to pen to paper, pencil if you must, and invert them. What is the opposite of love? What is the opposite of joy? Yes, sadness, maybe depression. And different words might capture you as the opposite. What's the opposite of peace? Yeah. What's the opposite of patience? This is a tough one. Oh, impatience. That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got like the, uh, the princess bride in my my head right now. No, no, it's, it's uh, the three amigos. <laughs> okay, sorry. Ask me about that afterwards. It's more than patient. It's impatient. Okay, sorry. Impatient. Just flip them and write them down, okay? And then I, I want you to kind of examine those and go from the plus side, positive side, or the negative side, and go, which one uh, you, they're not options, by the way, right? You don't get to just pick, like, a couple. Like, you're like, ah, I think I'll be good at love and joy. That sounds good. No, it, like, they're all. They all, you have to have fruit of all of that in your life. And so examine them. Take the pulse of your life and go, is there one of those that is sticking out that's going, man, I, I just need more of this in my life? Uh, so I want you to examine that. Maybe it'll come by looking at the positive, right, the fruits. Maybe it will, you'll see it from the negative, and you'll see the opposite of it and go, oh, man, depression or sadness. Or, uh, that's something that I, 
I need, I need more of, right? I need to be separated from that. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to, to cooperate with, you, want, you, you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to be able to separate from this, okay? This is your goal for the week. And I, I'm really, I'm, I know you're all looking at me, does he really want us to write it down? Yeah, I really want you to write it down, okay? We are the church. We have to begin taking seriously these proclamations of God. And he is not, this isn't just like a one-week thing. This is, I literally, God really wants us to separate from the things that don't bring life. And there are things that don't bring life that we are involved in. And so uh, part of it then is when you go back to that, that you look at that and you believe that that fruit of the Spirit can be brought to life in you. We were singing a song in the, in the Lutheran church today, Spirit of Gentleness. It's such a beautiful song. Uh, and, and I just I, there's something just about it that I, I love. And that word gentleness, well, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? That's one of the ones that I listed. And I instantly thought of David Barber. David Barber was a former pastor here at this church. And he has a spirit of gentleness. I mean, do you know anybody that's gentle? Uh, when, when I think of Brian Kaiser, gentleness is not up near the, I don't think many people would be like, gentle. Gentile? Maybe. <laughs> gentle? Not so much. And I was thinking about him, and I, I've observed him in life, and I don't talk to him often, maybe once or twice a year, but I, I just remember being around him and, and just how g- gentle he was and, and thinking, man, I wish I could have that spirit of gentleness. I think Rebecca's even as she goes into tomorrow, she's like wondering, how can I communicate in a way that's receivable, right? And you look at people who are gentle and there's just something, Cindy, you have a gentleness about you that's receivable. And yet it doesn't diminish your conviction. It's a beautiful thing to see. And so to be able to recognize that in other people, so maybe what you'll do is as you're writing those things down, God will draw to light somebody that you can think of that has the very thing that you don't have, right? And, and you'll be able to kind of be able to look at that person. Maybe you'll even be able to call that person or talk to that person and have a conversation. Well, well how did you get that way? My hope would be that, that they wouldn't go, well, I was just born that way. Because that would kill my message kill everything that I just said. It doesn't come naturally to us, right? The resurrection power raises that back up to life. And it would be a beautiful thing to see us as the people of God have testimonies that come back and and share that. Now, here's the bad news, okay? Can I give you some good news, I hope? Here's the bad news. There are people, maybe even in here, that have heard this message. And according to our passage today, boom, it just bounced right off them. They don't even understand it, right? We, we, we talk about enemies that we have. We, I've talked about the world, the devil, and our flesh. The world has this thing, and it's, it's a spirit of the world. I'm not talking about creation, and I'm not talking about the people of the planet. Both of those can be used, it, the word world could be used to describe those things. No, I'm talking about the spirit, this worldly wisdom that I'm talking about that does not follow the Jesus way. Okay? 
If you do not have the Spirit of God inside of you, when you hear these things, you, it will be like Teflon that bounces off of you. When I was a kid, they, they used to have these things uh, that got delivered to the house. They were largely white. They had like black ink on them. And they were like, you know, multiple like pages. And they had different sections. One would be like world news. One would be sport. They were called newspapers. I don't know if you remember these things, but they were, remember, and then you would hold them and the ink would get all over you, right? When I was a kid, here were the headlines that I saw regularly. I saw Oliver North and the, whatever that, Iran-Contra, I saw that on the, on the front page as I was trying to skip back to sports. Uh, I would see things on Mike Tyson, because uh, he was at the height of his career then. Um, and then I would see things about John Gotti. John Gotti was the Don, right, in New York City, one of these guys. And the, the government would try to prosecute this guy because he was uh, 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 one of the Dons of the organized crime family. And they could not get this guy. In fact, he got the nickname the Teflon Don. And I love that description of the Teflon, like no, no charges ever stuck to the guy. Now, they did eventually get him. So the name wasn't great for longevity, but for a long time, he was the Teflon Don, nothing stuck to him. That's what happens when, for unbelievers, when they hear this proclaimed, this truth proclaimed, they are immersed in the wisdom of the world, and they hear about, wait a minute, in order to get wealthy, you need to learn to be generous, and it doesn't make sense to them. Uh, they hear about how in order to uh, have positive relationships, uh, and to see resurrected relationships, I have to change, and it doesn't make sense to them. Now, what I want to know is, are we a Teflon church, or are we a sticky church? When we hear this gospel proclaimed, is it going to stick to us? Are we going to hear these words of God and, and, and walk away and go, you know what, I'm going to write this list out, and I'm going to write the inverse out, and I'm going to look for something, and I'm going to believe that God can raise that back to life in my life so that I can see improved, renewed, resurrected relationships in my life. That's my question to you this morning as we go into 2023. Father, will you be so faithful to us that you will that you will do as you promised to do, that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit, that we might be able to be led by him, that we might uh, be cooperate with him to overcome this corruption that leads to division. Father, that's just following the worldly way. We need the Jesus way in our lives. So will you be faithful then to each one of us that, that we might, as this, we sang this morning, have ears to hear, eyes to see, this gospel message and to apply it in our personal lives so that we will be able to experience life. Father, it would be like walking through an orchard with all this amazing fruit, other people walking through our orchards and seeing life and going, I want that in my life. Father, if we start to live like this, more and more people are going to, 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 to want what we have and it's going to be a reflection of this resurrection power at work among us. Father, it only comes 
if you're gonna be gracious to us and pour, pour out your spirit, empower us to be able to accomplish it. We ask these things in your son's name and by the power of, of him. Amen.